it's really been fascinating to me to kind of just watch the degree to which people are free agents. You know, I, I came in kind of expecting that people would have maybe a, one or two very specific places in mind that they'd want to make a move to. But more commonly, they have kind of a profile in mind, whether it be they want to move to a college town or, you know, a small town or, you know, a mountain town. Uh, but within that kind of general profile, they're kind of open to different places, which provides an opportunity for those communities that are really wanting to actively recruit, kind of pitch their wares and, you know, sell uh, themselves to these, these folks that are kind of making a decision. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 157 of That Remote Life Podcast. We're here from location independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Evan Hock, the co-founder of MakeMyMove.com, a marketplace for remote worker relocation offers. Essentially, communities across the U.S. use Make My Move as a place to publish the offers they have set up in an attempt to attract remote workers like you. And during this episode, Evan and I discuss the current state of remote work and how it's affecting communities across the United States, what sort of communities are profiting the most from the remote work boom, how to find the best relocation offer for you, and we even role-played what it would be like for someone like you to use the Make My Move platform to move to one of their participating communities, and we discuss many more topics. Before we jump into the interview, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business, tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers, and if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you will also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelife.com forward slash Remote Insider, and that's Remote Insider, all one word, no dashes. Also, I'd like to thank Safety Wing for sponsoring the show. I will tell you a bit more about the awesome things they're working on, working on later in the episode. As always, if you enjoy this episode, share it on Twitter or Instagram and tag me at Mitkoka, M-I-T-K-O-K-A, or share it with a friend that you think will enjoy it. And while you're there, give me a follow as well. I've been really ramping up my Twitter content and I'd love to connect with you over there. Finally, if you haven't left a review already, please consider leaving one wherever you listen to podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Evan Huck. All right, Evan, welcome to the show, man. I am so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, okay, so we kind of were in conversation, and then I said, wait, we should be recording this because this should be uh, on air we should record this so first yeah. of all uh you're the one of the founders of makemymove.com which is a marketplace for uh deals that towns are putting up in the united states that are trying to attract remote workers right so did i kind of summarize that well or what is the elevator pitch that you guys like to use yeah, you know, we, we started with the deals and I think it has expanded beyond that. We're an online marketplace that connects remote workers and other move ready talent with communities that are trying to attract new residents. So if you think about historically, economic development was an activity of communities recruiting companies to relocate um, uh, to a region. 
what remote work has done is open that up to almost a retail economic development where these cities can recruit individuals who bring themselves and their job and all their economic impact along with them. So you told me, because I was giving you background to, to this podcast and I told you, you know, it's a lot of male listeners, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I think for anybody who's listening who didn't know this, I think it's like 70, 30 male, female. So if you're a female listeners podcast, uh, say hi because there's not a lot of you and I'd love I'd love to chat with you and 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 connect but you said that you guys are actually mostly female users so I'm curious about why that is because and this is certainly shifting post covid um, but in the past when you thought about remote workers you thought a lot of tech so it, it, essentially it's a lot of like male uh, you know dominant still so can you tell me a little bit about like why it's it's so female focused on your end yeah, well, so in short, you know, we're still trying to understand it ourselves, but I'll make a, a couple broad comments. You know, first is I, I think during the pandemic, uh, the, the lid was blown off of, of remote work generally. If, if historically it had been a very sort of tech uh, driven work arrangement, you know, nowadays, if you can do your job at a desk, you can do your job at a desk anywhere. And, and so we're seeing a lot, you know, new skill sets that maybe hadn't been traditionally remote uh, before uh, uh, becoming uh, remote. We're also seeing a dynamic where, uh, you know, our business is helping households move to a new location. And oftentimes those decisions are uh, initiated and led um, uh, by women in the household. Uh, at least that's uh, uh, those that we're talking to, uh, that's what they're saying. So, you know, it, it, it may be, you know, um, a spouse of a remote worker uh, that's sort of shopping for uh, for their next home and sort of facilitating uh, the move. But we're about, it's about 60-40 uh, generally uh, for us. Very interesting. Well, okay, so I want to dive, uh, before we kind of talk more about Make My Move, I want to talk a little bit about your background because something jumped out at me when, when I was doing research for this, and that's that you actually wanted to be a pastor growing up. Like that's like what your career trajectory always was. And then you went on to actually not do that and work for Angie's List. And the reason why this jumped out at me is that you don't think about like religion and tech really having a lot of overlap. Like I feel like those two fields are kind of, there's some like polarity, some differences in there. And I'm curious about what has been your experience on the opposite end of that? Like, where did you find similarity or overlap from what you were like, you know, training or hoping to do to then what you ended up doing in terms of working with Angie's List? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of this is making sense of it in retrospect. Um, But, you know, what I've actually found that uh, a, a liberal arts education is a great training ground for any sort of product work. You know, uh, my original intention to be a pastor, I, you know, I like people, I like helping people, I like, you know, solving uh, their problems. And, you know, growing up in, in southern Indiana, um, you know, being being a pastor felt like a great way to sort of um, uh, contribute. Uh, I, I started working at Angie's List really just to work my wife through grad school. I thought it would be kind of a, a temporary, uh, uh, you know, side step. Um, uh, then I jumped back in and, and you know, I really found... I fell in love with that that business and that the culture of, of that company um, and kind of found my way into product through the side door of just, you know, I, I was good at solving problems. I was good at, um, uh, you know, helping helping our customers. And it turned out that that sort of, you know, I, I started in their call center just um, 
helping resolve uh, our members' issues, and th that became great training for uh, for product. You know, there's there's no better uh, uh, sort of a uh, way to become a product manager than to sort of internalize the pain of, of your customer. And that's what I did for the first few years. And that really grew into a relationship with my now co-founder, Bill Osterley, um, who was the CEO. Um, uh, and, you know, by the time I left Andy's List, I was leading the, uh, the uh, consumer product division uh, for, for the company. A lot of, uh, it was wild times, good, uh, good place to grow, uh, grow a career and grow personally. So when did you, uh, when did Make My Move actually start? Like, when did you start working on that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, so we um, we started uh, in 2017 uh, as sort of a precursor business that we called TMAP um, uh, that was really geared towards helping reverse the brain drain of talent out of the state of Indiana. So we're all uh, located in Indiana. If you look at sort of historical trends, uh, they look pretty scary. I mean, the, the workforce was shrinking for the first time in the state's history. And so, you know, as we were winding down our time at Angie's List, we knew we wanted to work together again. Uh, this felt like a really big, meaningful problem to go solve, was trying to help uh, recruit talented individuals back uh, to, to the state. And uh, at the time, we were working through companies, helping them recruit individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, during the pandemic, our eyes kind of were open to the, uh, this sort of remote work uh, revolution that, you know, we didn't actually have to co uh, convince companies to hire these people. We could just go straight to the source and start recruiting the workers who are now for the first time mobile and could choose where they, they lived and worked, um, uh, 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 you know, independent of where their employers were. So uh, we launched Make My Move uh, in December of uh, 2019, uh, really uh, with the, the uh, as an experiment that are these remote workers out there, um, uh, can they be recruited on behalf of communities? And we've really been kind of blown away by uh, sort of the, the interest from the remote workers, the interest from uh, communities, um, and, and just, you know, the number of, of moves that have happened in, you know, sh uh, short 18 months. We talked about this before we hit record is you're in Indiana, I'm in Cincinnati, and around like 2000 or 2017, 2018, something like that, I wrote this article about how uh, remote work can really change the Midwest ecosystem, but also like specifically Cincinnati and how I was saying like Cincinnati should become like a remote work haven, right? Like we should yeah. say, hey, we want remote workers here because there's all these benefits uh, and, and all the different things that it can do for the startups here in the city. And at the time, people... I remember having conversations with a few folks in the startup ecosystem here in Cincinnati and they were kind of like, yeah, like, like this makes sense, but like, eh, you know what I mean? There was this like feeling of like remote work isn't there. There just wasn't this drive. And so what I'm curious is, and I believe, uh, if my research is correct, you guys raise money from, from make, make my move. So, uh, you know, you spoke with investors about this and you've been working with this in this sphere uh, you know, before COVID and past co post COVID. So what I'm curious is how did those conversations change? Like how did the attitude in speaking with investors change pre and post COVID in terms of like, Hey, we should focus on remote work specifically for these cities and bring this talent to these cities. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think we've been helped by a tremendous tailwind that, uh, you know, every day new data comes out that just suggests what a what a uh, sort of talent-driven market this is, and b how much the the talent actually wants 
uh, remote work. You know, we, we did a, a survey um, last year that showed that about 60% of workers in total and, and uh, a little over 70% of those under 40 would rather leave their job than go back to the office uh, uh, full time. Um, uh, you know, there, there are 40 million uh, remote workers out there. Um, about 18 million are expected to move um, uh, in the next 18 months uh, to two years. I mean, it's really remarkable. We're, we're kind of living through one of the biggest societal shifts, uh, certainly in our lifetimes, but, you know, I'd extend it even to the last, you know, since uh, the last in industrial revolution where, uh, you know, people are now free to choose uh, where they live and, and work and they're choosing to move for all kinds of different reasons, it, you know, there, it's it used to be moving towards life or towards uh, opportunity, and now it's moving towards lifestyle. And people are choosing, you know, better weather, better amenities, uh, maybe to be closer um, um, to, to people. Um, and you know, I, I think have just been exposed to this new remote work arrangement and. You know, they love the uh, freedom and the flexibility that they have, uh, you know, not just to organize their day, but to organize their life. And I don't think they're going to give up on that. So to come back to your question, I mean, I, I think the investment community sees this the same uh, as we do. And certainly our investors, I mean, uh, John Schwong, who leads um, uh, uh, Aquent and, and uh, is on our board, took his entire company remote, you know, very early in the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, he believes in it uh, as, as much as we do. Uh, and we have a good uh, set of investors that, you know, they, they buy into the mission and kind of see the, uh, see the future for what it is. And can you speak very briefly uh, on how you as a company make money? Like, is this something where are, are folks having to to pay in some way if they're applying through your uh, through your platform? Like, how do you how do you make money on, on the business side? So for the for the workers and the and the movers, it's totally free. You just go to makemymove.com. Uh, you can shop for uh, for communities. You can apply uh, for any of those offers right there on on platform. Really easy and, and, and free to use. We uh, we're supported by the communities themselves. So um, there's there's a couple options that they have. They can uh, we have a, a subscription that they can uh, uh, you know it's paid about a thousand dollars a month, and we'll promote them to our network. We'll give them premium placement on the site, um, uh, and then we also have a services business where if they need some help building their program. Uh, running marketing campaigns and sort of developing the content uh, on, on their profile uh, will help them with that too. So on the community side, how much education are you having to do when, when you go to speak to, to communities about this? Or are they like aware of the opportunity or are you having to come in and almost like, hey, here's what's happening. You might not have heard about it, but you know, here's where the opportunity is. Like just from your, I'm curious about when you go into conversations with, with new communities, do they seem like they're aware of of the benefits and of the opportunities here, or does it seem like a you know a very cold conversation, so to say? Yeah, I mean, here's another place where you know my background is is useful. There's a lot of evangelism happening. You know, we're we're out there in the market, uh, sort of selling a, a very new idea to you know, a group of people that maybe aren't used to adopting new ideas really quickly. Um, so I'll say, generally speaking, we, we've been encouraged to the degree to which 
you know, we're far enough down the, the line that I think enough of these, these people have heard about the, this activity and heard about these type of programs. You know, we're certainly helped by communities like Tulsa, Oklahoma, that started doing this in 2018 and, you know, have recruited 1,700 people and, you know, generated, you know, uh, tens of millions of dollars in incremental economic impact for uh, for Tulsa. Like, that's a great story. And, and so anymore, a lot of the communities are, you know, they're they're afraid they're going to miss out. And so they're, you know, they're sort of participating because they, they know that they should. Now, that doesn't mean that they know how to participate. And a lot mm-hmm. of what we do is come in and sort of teach these communities how to sell, teach them how to how to recruit individual um, you know, consumers, uh, which, you know, it's a new muscle that, uh, that they're uh, developing. Uh, but our, our job really is that we, we've developed a playbook, we, we roll in, we teach them how to fish, uh, you know, and then and help them uh, along the way. But the goal is by the time we're done, you know, they've built a program in a repeatable way to sort of um, tell their story, broadcast their story to a big audience and recruit people. So, okay, let's, I, do you mind if we kind of play through a scenario here? Because a lot sure. of the people listening to this are, are, are people who may, might be interested in doing something like this, right? So they're like, hey, I, I maybe have a place that I called home in the U.S. that I, I don't visit that often. Or maybe they're looking for a home base in the U.S. So mm-hmm. I'm this is a hypothetical scenario, but honestly, I thought about it yesterday. Uh, I was like, this this could be cool. So West Lafayette, Indiana, it's on mm-hmm. your it's on your website. It's where Purdue yep. is. Um, yep. It's a place that I've been before, actually. Um, and so they have an offer up here on the website, which is it's a pretty decent offer. I feel like I'm seeing here uh, $5,000 relocation stipend, $1,800 co-working discount, gym membership, continued education membership. Uh, and I believe... Uh, nine thousand dollars so is that nine thousand dollars including the relocation and the oh, okay so so it's total so it's not like nine grand plus like all these different stipends um yes yeah, yeah, nine, nine grand of total value there's there's five thousand dollars of cash that's available got it um uh, for sort of relocation expenses so and, and a whole bunch of different memberships like it does look like a very nice deal and i kind of like the idea of like working in like a call a big college town like Purdue, like there's like nice energy there. So let's say this is something that appeals to me, right? Or somebody yeah. listening to this. What does the process actually look like? Like I hit apply for offer on your website, and then what's next? Like how do these cities select people? What sort of people are they looking for? What does the process like just look like? Yeah, great. So so you know Purdue, it's. Uh, and and uh, West Lafayette, it, you know, great program, you know, live and work uh, in and around a college campus, get access to all the facilities, get access to a network of smart, uh, you know, fellow uh, builders. And so that that's kind of what they're looking for. They're looking for people in tech. They're lo- you know, they, there's a great engineering culture um, at, at Purdue. So they're looking for, uh, you know, engineers and builders. Uh, there's plenty of companies in the region that I'm sure would, would love to recruit these folks too, but they're, they're kind of trying to build an ecosystem of remote workers uh, uh, and, and, and smart folks there, uh, there in the region. So if, if uh, you're somebody wanting to make a move to a college campus, uh, you click apply there. We ask just you know, some basic questions. Who are you? Where are you from? What are you hoping to get out of the move? Um, that gets handed off to a project team. So uh, you know, we'll make sure that you meet the minimum cri- uh, criteria. So there's things like a minimum income criteria. You have to have a remote job that you can bring with you, those sorts of things. 
Um, but then we'll in introduce you to the team there and their job is to sort of help facilitate your move. So um, uh, they'll make sure that all your questions get answered, that you find, you know, a local realtor if you're wanting to buy a house or uh, get connected with um, um, the, the local rental market, if that's uh, what, what you wish. Um, and and then once you get there, uh, there's, you know, all kinds of programming. So they, they tend to do networking events and uh, uh, different activities at least once a month. Um, and so those sort of resources are uh, uh, available to you along the way. But it's really easy. Um, you know, should be uh, certainly the uh, uh, moving across the country or across the world isn't always the uh, the most fun, but we try to eliminate most of the pains uh, for you along the way. So you mentioned a minimum income amount, right? And that's something that's very popular with a lot of these like digital nomad visas that you see popping up is like you need to have a certain amount of money uh, in order for them to issue that visa for you. I'm assuming these are all different based on on the program, on the city, but can you just give us like a ballpark idea of, of what the averages are there for, for people that are listening if they want to know if they're like would fit in that or not? Yeah, so most of, most of them are kind of around the sixty to seventy thousand dollar range. The Purdue program is seventy, um, and there are some other programs that have a, a slightly lower um, uh, threshold. You know, I, I think the the incentive for the community here is to add you know income to the tax base and and you know spenders in the in the local economy. So you know I think they're they're setting those thresholds just to make sure that you know um, uh, people are coming in and you know we'll be able to uh, contribute, but. Um, you know, it's not generally speaking that the bars aren't so high that people, you know, have difficulty uh, qualifying. And are these and are these communities or, or the people running it? Are they um, I'm trying to think of how to ask this. Are they aware of the sort of work that a lot of these people are doing? Because, like, for example, uh, you know, we, we I speak with a lot of freelancers and there's a lot of freelancers out there who, for example, could make like a hundred grand a year. However, on paper, their income is like 40, right? Because they're like trying to make sure that they, they are uh, as tax friendly as possible and so on and so forth. So is this something that these programs are thinking about in terms of like more entrepreneurial jobs might not fit so neatly into like my salary is seven grand, even if they still have the same economic buying power? Yeah. So, so again, it kind of varies community to community and in, in some, you know, some communities will have maybe a higher tolerance for risk uh, than, than others. You know, generally speaking, we, we try to help facilitate whatever documentation uh, they need. And so some of, uh, you know, we'll only count, you know, W-2 income as as part of, um, uh, you know, what, what will qualify. But many more, I, I think, will look at kind of the ho holistic um, uh, sort of income of a person. And so, uh, you know, whether that is sort of um, looking at, you know, if you're self-employed and you have a business, you know, looking at the uh, business's revenue, what your projections are, you know, uh, business plan is, you know, is not terribly un uncommon. You know, more than anything, I think these, these communities are looking for somebody that wants to be there. You know, a, a lot of our customers are trying to find some place to belong. And, um, and so, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, the, the communities are looking for somebody that, you know, maybe feels connected to either the, the place or uh, to its mission or, or to sort of the, the culture of the place. And so more than those income thresholds, you know, I think, uh, you know, some of the questions that we ask in the application are, you know, what's drawn you to the place? What do you hope to get out of the move? Um, and those are great opportunities for the, the candidates to kind of sell themselves and what they hope to bring to, uh, to, to their new community. I wanted to take a quick break and tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, Safety Wing. 
As a longtime digital nomad and remote worker, I can tell you from experience that travel medical insurance is extremely important. The more time you spend abroad, the more you increase your chances that eventually something will happen. Maybe you will get sick and need to see a doctor, or you're going to crash your scooter in Bali and have to get a cast. Either way, figuring out how to pay for that procedure in a foreign country is not what you're going to want to deal with at that moment. And that's why I love SafetyWing. Their services are designed for people like you and me. Their Nomad Insurance is a global travel medical insurance with emergency coverage across 185 countries. Their remote health package, on the other hand, provides remote companies and employees with global health insurance. Not to mention that SafetyWing is also funding the Plumia Project, which is working to establish the first ever country on the internet. So if you're still nomading unprotected, what are you doing? Head over to safetywing.com and find the insurance package that's right for you. And also, consider using the affiliate link in the show notes, which will directly support me in continuing to produce this podcast. So thanks again to SafetyWing for sponsoring us. And now back to the episode. Just out of curiosity, like kind of a, a side question, but are you seeing a lot of people who like come on the website and they're like, great, West Lafayette looks sweet, bye. Or, or is there some sort of process where I'm, or most people are like, hey, I want to come visit and like stay like a, a little bit. Like how, where, where do you see people uh, uh, land on that? Yeah, it, it, I've been surprised by a couple of things. One is just the variation. You know, it, it, it varies a lot by the individual. I mean, we have had people that have moved within about 30 days of applying without really visiting. And, you know, they're just kind of down for an adventure and want to, you know, want to give it a shot. Uh, you know, more commonly, people are, you know, coming in, they'll maybe visit for a weekend, kind of get a, a lay of the land. Uh, a lot of folks we've seen, you know, maybe get a couple weeks at an Airbnb to kind of get a sense of, all right, what is life uh, really, really like here? Um, and then on average, people are moving, you know, within about 90 days of, you know, when we first uh, hear about them. Um, you know, it's really been fascinating to me to kind of just watch the degree to which people are free agents. You know, I, I came in kind of expecting that people would have maybe a one or two very specific places in mind that they'd want to make a move to. But more commonly, they have kind of a profile in mind, whether it be they want to move to a college town or, you know, a small town or, you know, a mountain town. Uh, but within that kind of general profile, they're kind of open to different places, which provides an opportunity for those communities that are really wanting to actively recruit, kind of pitch their wares and, you know, sell uh, themselves to these, these folks that are kind of making a decision. So is that something that you help people with, like where if they were to come on the website and say like, hey, I want to set up a home base somewhere, but I don't know where it is. Is there someone that can kind of like guide me through this or or do you just kind of like have like FAQs and so on and so forth? Yeah, it depends on the the program. You know, that most programs will have some kind of staff there to to help facilitate uh, moves. We, We kind of try to play honest broker where our job is to sort of represent the communities on the site as best we can, make sure that um, it, it's e- you know it's easy to see what each program has to offer and easy to connect with uh, with those locals. Um, but I, there are times when you know maybe somebody has applied for one program, they're not hearing back from that program. We'll kind of steer them to other, uh, other programs that are uh, maybe a better better fit or more responsive to their needs. 
So a lot of the people who who are listening to this podcast, there's there's a good chunk of them who would uh, you know qualify or would you know say that they're digital nomads, right? So these are people who really value their freedom. They move around very often. Uh, they may not have a home base, but maybe they want to set up a, a U.S. home base. Maybe they they want a place where they can say like, hey. I at least have some tie back to the United States, even if I still continue to move, you know, six plus months out of the year. Are these people who would be, are are these people who could use a program like this or are these town programs not interested in people like this? Because, um, well, I'll let you answer that and then, and then we can kind of play ball in this one. Yeah, so I mean, I'll preface all this, but I, I'd love to hear from some of the, these true true nomads. Evan at MakeMyMove.com. I'd, I'd love to hear kind of uh, your specific needs, how how we could kind of tune uh, this to, to your your use case. You know, I'll say generally speaking, our, our primary focus is to help folks find a new permanent. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and I say permanent. You know maybe a couple years at a time at least, you know, for these incentives, most of them carry some kind of minimum threshold of you have to live there for at least a year before you'd get sort of all, uh, all the money. Um, but that said, you know, I think communities are starting to think uh, much more broadly about sort of the, uh, the economic impact of an in- individual. And, and I think they'd be open to kind of this idea of being the home base for, uh, for folks that maybe spend half their time, uh, abroad, uh, you know, I, I think you know th- that means that you do you, you, you probably have housing in that area. It means you're probably paying at least some uh, some taxes. You know, the Midwest in particular. I mean, you know this. Uh, you know, cost of living, cost of land is much lower than uh, uh, you know some of the lowest in in the U.S. So I I could certainly see some of these areas being hotbeds of those sort of anchor points. Uh, we also happen to be close to a lot of really great airports if uh, you need to, to to bounce around. So you know I'd love to hear about kind of how we could better serve uh, serve that need. Um, uh, the other thing I'll say is a lot of these programs uh, are open to to people that maybe don't avail themselves to uh, to the cash. So you may not qualify for the you know five thousand um, uh, dollars because you know you're not there full time, but you could be uh, eligible for things like some of the networking programming and access to the libraries you know at, at Purdue, for instance, um, uh, and you know to generally participate in the program if uh, if and when you are around. Yeah, and, and the reason why I ask that is because I can. I feel like this would be kind of a deal breaker for a lot of digital nomads is if they're like, hey, you have to be here full time for like two years. Right. And that totally makes sense to me. Like if you are, you know, if you're somebody who really values that, then that's kind of like a it's just a a no go. Right. However, from the from the town point of view. I feel like you don't need that because if I'm already, okay, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to set up and let's keep using West Lafayette as like the example here. You're going to get my taxes, right? You're going to get all those like financial benefits of like me being here. I'm just not physically going to be there. The only negative is that I understand that a lot of these places are trying to form some sort of community, right? So they want someone to be there that can interact with everyone. But on the flip side, Digital nomads are people who, and we talk about this a lot now with a lot of these hubs that are popping up, there is this benefit of someone who goes out and then comes back. And the place that they come back to is your community because they're bringing a lot of fresh ideas, a lot of different viewpoints to the town. And so I can see that as like kind of the devil's advocate in terms of, you know, if what you're looking for is to foster a really great community, 
that can actually be more benef- like a more beneficial uh, user, so to say. Yeah, I, I, I philosophically, I totally agree with you, and 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 I think we'll see some of these programs. You know, c- c- keep in mind this is still so early in the development of this dynamic, this market, um, and and I think we're still seeing communities starting to figure it out and figure out. All right, you know, who is my target audience, and how do I appeal? How do I grow that that target audience? And I certainly think that. You know the 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 true nomad is you know probably been underserved by these sorts of programs. But again, you know uh, we're early here. Um, uh, but to, I totally agree with you that you know the person that's going to be returning, you know again and again, even if it's for you know three to six months at a time, um, you know that can be uh, just as valuable. And sometimes is a, is an even bigger signal of engagement with that community. You know, you have the option of being anywhere and you keep coming back to a particular place. I think that's a that's a great story. So for uh, uh, potential users of the platform and for people who might be interested in taking part in this, what are some of the things to look out for? Right. So when you're looking on the website, there's a whole bunch of information here, obviously, a lot of incentives. There's you know, you, you give a lot of uh, information, for example, like the median home, the median home value, weather, closest airport. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. What do you feel like for anyone listening who might want to look into this? What are the most important things to look at from, you know, offer to offer to offer and to keep in mind, you know, if you're to kind of like highlight the most important things to look for, what would those be? You know, I, I think uh, more than anything, we encourage people to, you know, be really thoughtful about what they're trying to get out of a move. You know, they're obviously moving from someplace probably for a good reason. And, you know, jot down that list, whether that's you, you want to play, find some place that's more affordable or you want to find some place that you can, you know, get connected uh, to, to the local community, maybe a place that you can, you know, volunteer. Maybe there are particular amenities that you're looking for, uh, whether that's sort of activities to do or, uh, you know, outdoor uh, amenities, you know, make that list. Um, and and then our job is to try to help you discover places that, that, uh, fit that list. And, you know, the offers have really started to become a way for the, the communities themselves to communicate something about their DNA and what's special about them. You know, West Virginia has a great program called um, Ascend West Virginia, where you get uh, cash uh, uh, to move, but, you know, they're so proud of their outdoor life, mountains and rivers and streams. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to give you uh, membership to parks. They're going to give you money for equipment rentals. You know, they're trying to get you plugged into their their natural uh, resources. You know, contrast that with a Greensburg, Indiana kind of uh, rural community that their big asset is their people that, you know, they say, like, we're salt of the earth folks. We'll give you the shirt off our back, uh, you know, a tight knit group. And so their their whole incentives is geared towards plugging you into that community so that they, they'll deliver meals to your home. They're inviting you to uh, all the community events. They have something called grandparents on demand where a local staple <laughs> where, will babysit your kids and stand in for, uh, for grandparents at grandparents day at school, which, you know, it's one thing to say that you're welcoming. It's another thing to I mean, really roll out the red carpet, which I think they've done. So, you know, figure out what you want to get out of the move and, you know, find a place that checks those boxes. I love that. Grandparents on demand. Is that what it was called? Grandparents on demand. Yep. Oh, incredible. I think somebody should make that a business because that is killer. 
Yeah. What sort of opportunities do you see in this space? Obviously, this is a, a very, very young space to exist in. Uh, and, you know, we have a lot of people who are listening who are very entrepreneurial. So if you were to, you know, not be working on Make My Move, where do you see some sort of opportunities that maybe people can jump in here and, and kind of uh, work in the same sphere? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I mean, some of the things that immediately come to mind uh, really point to a lot of the early criticism that uh, uh, massive scale remote work has gotten. You know, I, I think you see a lot of this in the news where companies are trying to call their workers back and, you know, uh, under the argument of, hey, people need to feel that connection to, uh, to other people and they, they need to have that sort of cadence uh, to life. You know, I, I think there's, there's a bunch of opportunities that whether it be to, you know, create uh, you know, memberships or communities of remote workers in any given town, giving them an outlet to sort of network and, and get professional development uh, that, you know, may be a, a little bit difficult when you're not kind of uh, clustered uh, uh, together. So that, that would be, you know, top uh, on, on my list. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, though. It's still so early in this, you know, at, you know the fact that, you know, there were 5 million remote workers before the pandemic, and there are 40 now, you know, we're, we're just kind of coming to terms with this huge societal shift. And I'm excited to see all the invention that kind of springs up around, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the ecosystem, whether that be uh, better tools, better process, better, uh, uh, better interactions between people to sort of facilitate. And what communities do you see that do really well on the platform or maybe even outside of the platform if there's if there's communities that maybe you're keeping an eye on that that are not on make my move but what are the commonalities like what are the common features that a lot of their offers have that seem to do really well yeah i, I mean foremost the communities that do really well are the ones that can tell their story uh you know the, the ones that you know, can kind of cast a vision for what life is going to be like uh, uh, when you're uh, when you're there. I mean, you know, picking up and moving, uh, even for nomads, is a big uh, decision. You know, you're you're choosing one place over the other, and and so you know, communities that can help you start to connect emotionally with their their sense of place, even before you arrive, uh, are always going to uh, do better. Um, obviously, we you know we have a lot of uh, communities that have great. Uh, you know, natural amenities, whether, you know, lakes or uh, rivers or, uh, or mountains, those always uh, tend to, uh, to do uh, really well. Um, you know, programs that are sort of targeting a very specific audience like Purdue and, and, and sort of uh, tech people, you know, uh, leaning into that it's university life. And you, you think about all the, the great resources that uh, a university uh, town has now just imagine being there when you're not a broke college kid. It's great. Uh, and you know, so it's funny. <laughs> my, my wife and I went back to our, our alma mater. Is that the, is that the yep. correct term there? Which I dropped out. So I don't know if that applies to me, but she dropped that. Uh, she, she graduated. And I was thinking like, you know, it's not that this town specifically, I went to Miami, you know, you know, Ohio. So I was like, I don't yep. know if I'd want to live here as like a, an adult, but there is this feeling of like, I wish I could have been in college with my current brain because I feel yeah, like yeah. I would have taken so much more, like that time would have been so much better spent if I had my adult brain versus like 
when I was, you know, 19 and a moron. So like yeah. that would have been like so beneficial. And I feel like you could almost like live through that if, if you moved into. I, I totally agree. Camp. I mean, in, a, a lot of people are, are choosing programs like that. They're, they're, you know, they're coming from maybe the coast, you know, the Valley or New York. Um, and, and so, you know, they're wanting a, a slight shift, but they don't want to give up all of the amenities. Uh, uh, you know, they, they want to go to restaurants. They want to, you know, uh, access to the arts. They want access to sports. Uh, and so, you know, uh, college towns check a lot of those boxes and yeah, plus, gosh, I, I feel like I'd use a, a, a university library a hell of a lot more now than I, that I, than I did back then. For sure. The other thing as well, just as a kind of side is for the digital nomads specifically, because you said that you were interested in this, I think a college town has a benefit of constant flow of visitors for college sporting events or any sort yeah. of presentations. And the reason why that's important is if you're a nomad who wants a home base somewhere and you want to buy a house that you then Airbnb out to pay to cover the mortgage, that constant flow of visitors is very important because you constantly have people that are looking for Airbnbs. So that's actually a nice little benefit there. That's almost like a little hack if you want to buy a house in the United States as a digital nomad is get it close to a college town. Well, well, here I'll really put my sales hat on. I, I mean, West Lafayette's <laughs> perfect for this because you're right. I mean, there's uh, there's no shortage of demand for for good housing. Um, so you know, uh, certainly wouldn't expect you to have much trouble uh, renting out uh, the place. Particularly if you, you're thinking about, you know, maybe maybe you're going to be around during the summer when all the students are gone, and then uh, traveling when uh, when the students are around. Uh, uh, that, that's a great option. It's also centrally located, so you know. West Lafayette has a great regional airport that you can you know, kind of hop in and out, but it's also, you know, it's pretty close to Chicago. It's pretty close to Indianapolis. So if you wanted to, you know, uh, access to, to cheaper international flights, you know, uh, great centrally located, plenty of stuff to do when, when you're around, uh, you know, invite uh, these nomads to come, come see, see what it has to offer. And we can, we can help plug them into the program. Are you, are you going to get in trouble with the other communities on his website? Because I feel like this has become the West Lafayette <laughs> show and uh, you know, they're going to, yeah, I mean, maybe so. in, <laughs> we should spread the love, spread the love around uh, a little bit down in West Virginia is going to call and be like, Hey man, like what, what's going on here? Um, but no, this, I think this is really exciting and I'm curious, uh, you know, this is obviously totally guessing and and uh, you know we're not going to hold you to any of this but i'm curious about from your point of view if we were to kind of fast forward 20 years uh and from the work that you're doing the kind of things that you're seeing where do you think this will be in 20 years like if you had to take your best guess at, at how um the remote work movement impacts communities like what what are some like paint us a picture like what is the what does the united states to be more specific look like at that point yeah it's a great question and you know i'll certainly uh, point to some much smarter people that uh, are, are thinking much harder about this than than i would you know whether it be richard florida adam ozimek um uh raj um uh chattery over at uh, at harvard um you know i i think we're living through one of the biggest shifts, uh, you know, in, in the country. And, and it's certainly as big as the Industrial Revolution. It, we just think it kind of is functioning in reverse. So if you think about what happened in the Industrial Revolution, I mean, people were migrating towards large city centers because that's where the factories were. That's where all the opportunity was. And they've moved out of a lot of these places, whether it be the you know Midwest, uh, not because those aren't great places to live, because you know there just weren't, weren't jobs there. Well, 
now the a total inversion of that where people can kind of choose to live and work wherever they want. Um, and I think what we're seeing in a lot of ways is that, uh, you know, they're not choosing those, those big city centers. So some of the big winners in the, uh, the early migration has been, uh, uh, you know, suburbs of bigger cities. So, you know, may, maybe places that aren't so crowded, maybe a little bit less expensive, but still sort of access uh, to those areas. So we're seeing kind of pockets of, remote work set up uh, in, a, in a more distributed fashion. I, I also think we're seeing kind of a, a, a reshaping of what downtown city centers are going to be like. You know, I, I think, you know, occupancy rates of offices, you know, traditional offices are plummeting, you know, even as, you know, people are going out to, re you know, people are going out into the world, they're going to restaurants or going to, uh, to concerts and things, but they're just not going back to the office. So I think, you know, uh, in addition to sort of those those outside of the city centers, I think city centers are going to kind of be reshaped uh, around the the consumer. You know that uh, I think places are going to be more walkable because uh, you know there's not going to be such uh, sort of uh, commutes. Uh, you know our current cities are so organized around cars because everyone has to sort of drive into the city center and in, into the office. But I think there's a real opportunity for, for places to kind of reshape that, to have kind of walkable neighborhoods with uh, great sort of third spaces where people can go and work outside of their house, uh, you know, get some fresh air, meet people um, uh, in, in their neighborhood. Uh, but it just so happens they're all working for places, you know, that exist all over the country. Yeah, I actually read a really great article. I think it was in the Atlantic. Um, I I shared in my newsletter. I'm gonna we'll 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 put this in the show notes. But about how libraries are actually really well positioned to be the co working space that we really need, because yeah. realistically we can't expect co-working spaces to pop up in every neighborhood. However, the infrastructure, if you think about it, is already there in terms of libraries. And libraries only need to adjust slightly to uh, you know, work as co-working spaces as well. And that was a that was a fascinating article uh, by somebody who had done all this research saying like, hey, these libraries just need like a little bit of an adjustment and they're like a perfect uh, you know, way to match the new needs of, of their community. Uh, that was very interesting. If anyone is if if anyone's living in a town right now and is thinking this would be a great town for a remote worker. And the re so I grew up in Varna, Bulgaria. And when I, you know, I started hearing about digital nomads and joined the community, I was like, Varna would be a sick place for digital nomads. Like, why is no one going there? And I started making content and then people started showing up, not just because of me, but because it started attracting a lot of people. And it turns out it is a really great place, right? So if someone is in a similar position to the one that I was in and wants to go to their, you know, wants to help their town, uh, you know, create a program like this, what would be the process for that? Like, how would someone kind of engage a town to to kind of get them up to speed with this opportunity? You know, the first thing is, let, you know, get the community up on, uh, on the site uh, and uh, you know, local residents can can post their town um, uh, to the site. They can contribute content. If you're if you're a cheerleader for your uh, your your place, uh, you know, be a cheerleader on 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 make my move. We want to we want to tell uh, uh, that that story. And there's a lot of communities on the site that you know they don't have uh, you know tangible incentives, but they're just you know they're welcoming and they want people to uh, to come. So they've posted uh, their profile up there to say. Hey, come, come think about, uh, you know, spending some, some time here. So they don't even have to have an offer. I didn't know that you can just, yeah. so I'm just going on here. 
Yeah, about half the communities, if you click on the communities tab, um, uh, there's about 150, about half of those don't have uh, an offer. They just are kind of pitching, pitching their wares. So I'm going to give you a suggestion. I think you should have a search bar on here so I can search like Ohio or something like that, because I was going to say like, let's see what towns are on here in Ohio. And there's, uh, I have to scroll through like, it's on, it's on the product roadmap. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Perfect. Perfect. Um, So, uh, so, okay. So they get them on the website and then what, like, you know, call up their chamber of commerce or, or what? Certainly so. You know, they're um, in every community is a little bit different in terms of who is the, sort of the sponsoring agent. In some cases, it's a economic development corporation or a chamber of commerce. Sometimes it's a local foundation. Um, um, it, uh, could be the community foundation or a pri- uh, private foundation. Um, others, it's the municipality. So, you know, we work directly with a lot of mayors. Um, uh, you know, if, if, if there's a local resident that wants to sort of make the program official, we didn't, you know, encourage them to write their mayor maybe as a starting point. Um, uh, or if, if they know somebody in the chamber, uh, uh, talk to them. But really, you know, these programs kind of exist because somebody kind of stuck their neck out and wanted to, uh, you know, make, make a, a real effort of, of recruiting people. You know, the thing that we tell communities more broadly of, all right, how do you uh, sort of, how are you attractive to uh, remote workers and uh, nomadic folks is, you know, look at the infrastructure. Is, is there a place that remote workers can, uh, can get out of their house, you know, work um, at, out there in the community? How's internet speed? You know, invest in the, the basic infrastructure of, you know, connecting uh, to, to the region. Um, and, and then two, just sort of uh, uh, understand what's special about your community and, and what you're, uh, you're going to sell uh, to these folks and learn to tell your story. Awesome. Uh, I love it. I'm probably going to shoot an email to the mayor of Loveland this week and be like, hey, have you thought about this opportunity? Because that would be cool. Please um, do, yeah. But Evan, this has been uh, an awesome pleasure. Uh, this has been so fun to look through here. And thank you so much for coming on here and educating us about this. But where can people uh, find out more? Obviously, there's Make My Move. Is there anywhere else that people can go online to learn more about you or about what you guys are doing? Well, uh, check us out on on Twitter, obviously. Uh, so mine is at uh, Evan uh, underscore Hawk, uh, and then the Make My Move account is make, at Make My Move USA. Um, but yeah, MakeMyMove.com is the the website. Again, it's free for uh, workers. Uh, uh, browse uh, browse all the communities. Apply very quickly. Super easy. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Been a pleasure. 